Okay, what's up, friends? Welcome to Kiss My Curvy Assets, the podcast where we drop truth bombs, hit tough conversations, bring some sassy, raw, real topics, and some badass fun. I'm your host, Lori Mort. Let's journey together on this roller coaster ride set to empower us, enlighten us, invigorate us, energize us, and just help us keep rocking our bodies and rocking our lives. Hey, friends, welcome to the program. Today we have Dr. Kelsey Asplin, and she is a Colorado chick who became a naturopathic doctor to change the narrative on healthcare, which, if we're being honest, is a bit of a dumpster fire. Dr. Kelsey works primarily with high-performing professionals and supports them with optimizing their energy, focus, and productivity. She frequently sees patients struggling with anxiety and depression, thyroid imbalances, gut disturbances, and fatigue. Dr. Kelsey lifts weights, rides horses, and she owns motorcycles. She also teaches in the Integrative Healthcare Program at MSU Denver, and serves as the vice president for the Colorado Association of Naturopathic Doctors. So besides being a total badass babe, she's clearly got her shit together. Kelsey, welcome to the program. Oh my gosh, Lori, I'm so excited to be here. I, um, I love, I was just telling you off of recording that I don't love social media. I am the first to complain about social media. I, I just loathe everything about it, but you and I connected on social media. You live in Colorado. I live in Canada. Mm -hmm. We didn't know each other from a hole in the ground. And here we are. Here we are. I know it's <laughs> funny. I don't even like social media either. So the universe just aligned. <laughs> well, and I do find that I, I, I meet some really rad people that I'm like, you know what? You're so inspiring. I want, I want you to come on and you're coming on to talk about something that's I'm really passionate about. And that's naturopathic medicine. Mm -hmm. Let's dive way back. How did you get into naturopathic medicine? Because you have a bit of a story and, and mm -hmm. why you did it. What's your why and how did you get there? So first of all, I think it's important to note that I grew up knowing nothing about naturopathic medicine. So like I wasn't like a child of hippie parents. I didn't know anything about it. My dad was an RN. Um, we had a very conventionally minded family in terms of health. And, you know, basically, I don't know if I mean, if you've ever had a health person in the family, like you don't ever go to the doctor unless you're bleeding to death, right? Like you just it's like you're fine. And <laughs> That was kind of my life and that was fine. And I had never, ever thought I wanted to be a doctor. It was never on my radar because what I knew in my brain as what being a doctor meant was not something I was interested in. And when I was in high school, I started having a couple of different health issues. Now in high school, you know, I was a straight A student. I was part of student government. I was doing extracurriculars. I mean, I was like overloaded. And at the time, you know, it didn't really wasn't consciously aware of how overloaded I was, but I started getting, initially I started getting eczema and I was getting these patches on my cheeks, like huge, which is just a nightmare for any person, let alone a high school girl, right? <laughs> it's like the worst thing. And it was, it was awful. It was ugly. It hurt. And it was just terrible. So we went to the dermatologist, did all that, was given all the steroid creams. And, and that was really all they could give me. They were like, here's some different moisturizers. Here's some steroid creams and nothing, nothing really touched it. It didn't do anything. So I was super frustrated. 
And down the road from my house was a natural food store, which I have seen my entire life driving by it. But I was like, ah, you know, it was just not part of my world. And I went in there purely out of desperation and pulled something off the shelf that said it was for eczema. And it was like this cream and I like squirted it out and it was gross. It smelled so bad. And it was this brown, like gooey, it was just gross. And I put it on and within a week it started going away. I was like, okay, like, you know, there's something that's, that's cool. There's something to that. And I didn't, I didn't really go much further than that. I was just like, okay, that's something interesting. Well, then fast forward maybe six months to a year. And I was in my uh, first interview with a college that I was looking at going to. I was sitting down with the dean and I walked in and something happened that I had never experienced before. I got super nauseous. I got kind of... It was like I was in a dream, like when you're in a dream and you kind of have tunnel vision. And um, I had... I just... I felt so bad. And it's like he sounded like he was underwater And needless to say, I performed very badly in that interview. (laughs) And what I realized afterwards is that I had gotten my first migraine and I started getting them every single day. So for months, I was getting these migraines that was, you know, that was getting in the way of work and in the way of school. And again, went and saw a conventional doctor and their response was to put me on an antidepressant, which is an overly prescribed class of drugs. But I was put on an antidepressant um, within a couple months, started experiencing depression, and which is a common side effect. And when I went back to the doctor, they basically said, oh, no, that's not possible. Your dose is too small. There's no way that your symptoms could be from this. And I was like, I mean, I was like, come on, guys. Like, I know myself. You know, I don't just like, I know what's going on here. So I just stopped taking it. And that kind of put me on this path of just asking questions and be, and thinking like, you know, why, why has nobody asked me what my stress level is like? Why has nobody asked me, you know, what kind of pillow am I sleeping on at night? Why has nobody asked how much water I'm drinking? Like, why are these questions not coming up that could actually be the game changer for my health? And so I just started down this path of questioning and figured there had to be a better way. There had to be a different way. And I ended up taking this class in in college called Holistic Health. And my teacher walked in and he introduced himself and he was a naturopathic doctor. And he explained what that meant and what that, like the philosophy on health was. And I was just like, (laughs) I was just awestruck. I was like, oh my God, you exist. You know, it's like suddenly my world had just completely expanded in a way that I didn't even know was possible. So I started studying it and loved it. And eventually he, he was my mentor for a number of years. We still work together. He was like, you know, I think you should go to medical school. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So I did. (laughs) And that's how I got here. But you believed in it. I mean, just okay. And I had a very similar experience to you where the medical system failed me. The traditional medical system there's a very black and white zone where if your test results show you're in that little, and it's such mm-hmm. a weird space to be in that they can't treat you. Nope. You're fine. You're normal. Yeah. But yet I would have, because I had hormonal imbalances and it was getting into perimenopause as I was 35 and every doctor I saw turned me away. And it was, I, it was the same as you. I had no clue about natural medicine. Yeah. I didn't know it existed. And then I actually met a, a woman that practice. She practiced and she said, just let me, let me talk to you because 
we treat symptoms. We get that there's blood work. We get that there's test results, but we, we need to look at these symptoms and the issues that you're having, because obviously if you're not feeling good, mm-hmm. we have to get you feeling good. It doesn't matter what your blood work says. Right. And so I liked that she started to treat my symptoms so that I could mm-hmm. in the end feel better. And, and no one ever did that in, in natural medicine. They are in um, the traditional medicine. Yeah. It was, yeah. you're normal. You're normal. Well, and, you know, I think, unfortunately, in the conventional medical world, the way it's designed is it's built on an algorithm, right? So it's like you go in and you say, I have this. And it's like, okay, well, did it do this or did it do this? And you just go down the algorithm. And unfortunately, so many people don't fit the algorithm, right? Or they fall outside of this, this prescribed box. And it, I don't genuinely don't think that it's the fault of the doctors so much as the system that they were trained in and the tools that they were given. Because if you fall outside of what their tools can help and what that algorithm can help, I mean, it's like so much of naturopathic medicine is people who come to me because like nobody else could help them because they didn't fit the model. And so you have to be able to let go of what you think things should look like and be able to realize that like the human body is so mystical and magical and falls outside of the text box so often. And if you can step into that, then you can create some really powerful change for people. And I love that. And I love that. And I actually had a doctor that was really honest with me once too. And when we were dealing with my hormonal imbalances and issues, uh, he said to me, Lori, in in medical school, we take a four hour course on hormones, four Mm -hmm. hours. He goes, you've probably read more textbooks than I have on Mm -hmm. hormones. This isn't something we've studied. It's not my area of specialty. Yeah, I can recommend you to a specialist. It's going to be a really long wait to get in, in the medical system. And you're sitting in suffering while you're waiting for that. And, and I, it was great that he was honest to me about that, because then I was able to say, you know what, when you go somewhere like natural medicine, there's more specialty involved. There's more specialization. There's more, the approach is, is such a greater scheme of things than what general medicine, the conventional way is. And, oh, yeah. and I, it was great that he told me that because otherwise I would have kept going and seeing doctors and allowed them to have that control of, I don't know how many times I was told I was normal. Mm-hmm. You're normal. And, and I say to my clients, even don't take that. If you're not feeling normal, it's mm-hmm. time to go get a second opinion. It's time to go somewhere else. And that's when I found the natural route. It was because again, I didn't fit that mold. I didn't fit the algorithm and I didn't have to stay on a lot of the supplements and a lot of the protocols that we use, but yeah. it got me to feeling back to where I actually felt good. And that's yeah. everything I do is about feeling good. And I just love that that way of medicine is that's your ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think the big, the big difference, and this is maybe helpful for a lot of the patients that I talk to who are interested in seeing me is the philosophy is so different, right? In conventional medicine, it's, it's very focused on pathology. So what's the disease, what's the disease process. And if you think about every kind of conventional medical treatment, right? Or pharmaceutical, it's always an anti-disease. So it's like an antibiotic, an antiviral, an anti-hypertensive, an anti, right? Like it's all about going against the disease process that's happening in the body. And the philosophy of most alternative medicines, not just naturopathic, but is way more about physiology. So it's what is normal function of the body and what can we do to prompt a normal, healthy response so that the body is actually functioning in its own innate way versus us interrupting a process. 
That is yeah. a really, I've never looked at it that way. You are so bang on. Yeah. I've never really thought of it that way because, and now that you say that, I think of all the protocols I've followed in natural med- medicine and it is, it's not anti, anti, mm-hmm. anti. That's amazing. That's amazing. And when I was reading over your bio, cause I recorded your bio earlier, you see a, a grand scheme of, of different patients. What do you find most people come to see you for? What is like the, Hey, here's my problem. I need a solution. I would say what I tend to see most of. So I do think that we tend to energetically call to us the people who either have struggled with the same things we have struggled with. And it's like the way that the medicine speaks through us to other people, right? Because our experience is going to allow us to understand their life better. I mean, I could say kind of the, the, the response of like every patient I see has gut issues because we live in America and everybody has gut issues. <laughs> everybody does. But that almost becomes like a assumed, yeah, that's going to be part of my treatment protocol. I think what I see the most of uh, is like mood stuff. So anxiety, depression, sleep issues, mood fluctuations, more of that like brain piece, which has certainly gotten bigger since COVID has happened. But you know, I think it's it's something that's so taboo. Nobody ever wants to talk about. It must mean there's something wrong with you if you experience mood fluctuations, but everybody does. And that is the piece that really can make the difference in people's professional success. And I work with a lot of high-performing professionals. So athletes and entrepreneurs and CEOs and you know, I have a couple Olympian patients and people who are really trying to either like shave a couple seconds off of their game time, you know, or who are tr- like just like just that little bit of optimization. And that can come down to your brain chemicals so much. You know, it's not just your mindset. That's a huge part of it. But it's like if you're feeling like poo today, you're probably not going to have a great workout. <laughs> you know, So that that's probably where a lot of my patients end up like really attracting towards me. Um, and that's a lot of fun for me to work with them. Well, that's exciting. That's exciting when it is something so high performing, like yeah. it's making such a difference. And that's someone that really needs to be in tune with their body too. And it mm-hmm. needs to be working on all cylinders at all the like time. the best level imaginable. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm glad you brought up moods and I, I'm glad you brought up anxiety because I mean, COVID aside, we all struggled with, with different things that I mm-hmm. think we tend to push down as moms. I'm fine. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have time to complain. I'm sure it's just, I am tired. Uh, and I actually dealt with anxiety last year and I had never had anxiety before mm-hmm. and I wasn't sleeping and I had all of these different disturbances. And I was thinking, what is going on? Like I'm, I'm dry heaving. I can't mm-hmm. keep food down. Like I have no appetite. And then that light bulb went on of, oh my goodness, I have anxiety. This is what it feels like. Yeah. But I'm also, I don't like to take a lot of chemicals. I don't like to and of course you go to the, the traditional conventional doctor and here's your, your dep- antidepressants mm-hmm. right away. They wanted to treat that. And I'm like, I'm not depressed. Here's right. your, it's, your- it's always like, here's Xanax yep. and here's the antidepressants and yeah. here's Trazodone. <laughs> it's like, like I see these same pharmaceuticals come up every single day in my practice that people were put on. Yeah. And the sad thing about it, you know, the the real bummer about it is a lot of those patients have been on them for years and they get to a point, and I've heard this so many times, is they'll be like, you know, I want to come off it, but I'm so afraid to because it's so part of my normal that I don't know. Like they'll say, I don't know what I'll feel like without it. I don't know if I even need it because it's been there so long that I don't know what normal is for me anymore. And like, how sad to feel so separated from like yourself, you know, and not know 
what you, what you could feel like unmedicated and if you still need it and maybe you don't, but the fear of coming off of it is too overwhelming. Well, that's way too much control for some yeah. chemical to have over me. And that was when I did my research because my doctor prescribed anti-anxiety meds and all, and I would, you know, Google them in the, and to see the side effects or even people's comments, you know, I just didn't feel like myself on them. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's a big no. And I mean, I filled a few prescriptions and I looked at the bottle and went, yeah, oh, I have to find a different way. There has to be yeah. a better way. So my naturopath, she had some great ideas as well because she knew I wouldn't take all the, the anti this anti that I want to feel like myself and I don't want to be relying on it. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say, because I have a lot of clients that have to be on the medication and it works for mm-hmm. them, but I just didn't want to fall into that box of this is where you have to be because I totally I don't feel like they understood it. Like I was like, do totally. I really need it? Totally. And, you know, I, I think that's a really good point. I'd like to back up and say that, that like, just because I'm a naturopathic doctor does not mean that I'm anti-conventional medicine, right? <laughs> like conventional medicine and pharmaceuticals and surgery and like has changed the face of health for sure. And there's absolutely a time and a place for it. And like there, there is a reason to use a pharmaceutical. I think the best health is where we can all kind of come together and figure out, well, you know, maybe the best thing you need right now is acupuncture. Maybe the best thing you need right now is an herb. Maybe the best thing you need right now is really just some stress modification and some lifestyle changes, or maybe you do need that pharmaceutical. And figuring out or gauging where each person is, I think is the most important and what really could change the face of healthcare to being more healthcare instead of disease care. Well, and I'm lucky my doctor, she's younger. She's very in tune with different medical professionals. Mm -hmm. And she's the first doctor I've ever had that when I see her, she'll look at my blood work and my test results and and say, I can't treat you Mm because my numbers say that you're normal. Go see your naturopath because of Mm -hmm. course they send the blood work back and forth to each other. And she said it, it, it got her into a lot of hot water in her medical community that she was so pro naturopathic medicine. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to see kind of a hybrid model where the conventional and natural mm-hmm. can come together and, and be able to work together with patients. I mean, I love hearing that because really <laughs> like, that's just like, that's like my wet dream, right? Like, I love hearing that. <laughs> like the, like part of that is, is there really shouldn't be a competition because Part of what part of what you said, she said, is like she can't treat you most likely. And I'm assuming this is because she's part of the insurance model and insurance dictates when and how you can treat. Right. And so if you don't fall outside of that reference range, then you can't be treated. If there's not a reason to order that extra lab, then they can't order it. And so they're very limited on what they can do for patients now. We don't really fall inside. I don't work with insurance. So like I can kind of do whatever I want. I can kind of do whatever my patients want. But the great thing is, is like the stuff that I do with patients is going to make their bodies more responsive to conventional care when they need it. And so like these two systems really can fit very, very well together and can hybridize in a way that like works so harmoniously between the practitioners, but also for the patients. Well, and it's not a competition. I mean, at the end of the day, I would hope that my doctor, and I know this is her feeling, they they just want you to feel better. Mm -hmm. So, and, and you're right. When I fall in that little zone, there's a gray zone. It's not just black or white. And I like that my doctor can say, I'm not in competition with natural medicine. I know it works. I know that sometimes you need yoga instead of Mm -hmm. antidepressants, or you need different herbal medicines or whatever it might be. And I loved that 
that was the first doctor I've ever had that has ever said, why don't you ask your naturopath? Cause she can help you with that thyroid issue or whatever it might be. And she doesn't look down on it. She's very responsive to it. So it's- Oh, that that, makes me so happy. Yeah. I just get so excited hearing you say that. And she would go to different medical conventions and and be bringing it up that she really liked this hybrid model of why can't we see our medical system go in this direction? And of course, the old school, the old boys club Mm -hmm. looked down on her like- no, this is it. This is how it works. And, and they look down on, it's like, it's a competition and it shouldn't be because ultimately it is feeling better. Your patient is number one. How can we get you there? When I think too, it should come down to patient autonomy, right? I'm a huge proponent of that. And it's like, if the patient decides that they want to see a conventional provider, if the patient decides they want to see an herbalist or an Ayurvedic doctor or a shaman, like that is their right and their choice of how they want to carry out their own health journey. And I think like everything else comes second to that. There shouldn't be competition. There shouldn't be like the government shouldn't be putting their hands in that. (laughs) Like people should just be able to seek out the care that they need and that's going to work for them. Well, and let's talk about that because it's not covered by insurance. Not in some you. places. Yeah. Not in some places. Yep. You're in the States, but one yep. of the similarities between Canada and the United States is you still usually have to pay for naturopathic medicine out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. So it's an investment. Whereas, you know, up here in Canada, especially it's included in our medic Medicare or, or whatever medical coverage there is. So you don't think about it as much when you go to your doctor because you're not pulling out your wallet to pay at the end. Right. But in order to have that full health optimization, and you mentioned health optimization, we're going to kind of go into that. Sure. You sometimes have to pay for what you need to get that end result of feeling better. Otherwise, you're going to be on that hamster wheel of seeing conventional medicine, medical doctor after medical doctor and not getting any results. Yeah, absolutely. Do you you find that the financial challenge is, 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 large for you down there? Or do you find people are more open to, you know what? I know I have to, I know I have to invest in myself. You know, I think that has changed over time. I think so much of that rests in our paradigm of health, right? And we have been for generations have been brought up under this idea that you only go see a doctor when something is wrong and is it's their responsibility to fix it or to give you something so that you can go back to living your crappy lifestyle <laughs> and just kind of keep going, right? It's like your health is not your own responsibility. It's the doctor's responsibility. And then you just kind of go on your way. And I think that's changing. I think that has been changing over the last decade with people getting way more involved in yoga and being way more aware of their health and being, you know, I think it's changed uh, or it's changing. I think that when I first started practicing, and this is a real problem in my industry for sure is because everybody who, I mean, at no, no doctor goes into medicine thinking like, eh, I don't really care about the people, you know, <laughs> no, no doctor goes to medical school. Like I'm just so excited to owe $500,000 at the end of this. And I'm so excited for the burnout. Like nobody thinks about that. Right. Yeah. Everybody just wants to help people. And the problem with that, and I see it pervasively in my industry is that we tend to be a lot of doctors who are bleeding hearts and we tend to want to give away our services for free and just help everybody. And I think when I first started practicing, I had this mindset of like, I think I didn't, I think I undervalued myself, right? For sure. I mean, I, for sure, that's not even an, I think statement. I for sure undervalued myself. And 
undervalued my knowledge and my expertise and all of the hours and time and pain I had put into learning all of this stuff so I could help people. And it, you know, it was so strange because early, I mean, I was charging way too little and I still had people complain about the price. And in the years since then, you know, I'm, I'm not the most affordable doctor anymore and I have far fewer people complain. And so it's like every time I raised my prices and I got so much clearer on my value and my confidence and my expertise, those are the people who came to me. And so like, you know, I definitely have people still who, when I talk to them and we go over my prices, they'll be like, wow, you're really expensive. Or like, wow, that's more than I thought it was going to be. But then they'll pause and they'll say, but I know you're worth it. So put me on your schedule for next month and I'll save up. And it's like, it's just a very, very different energy. Like I don't, I use that word very lightly because being a naturopath, when you say that everybody goes into like woo woo world. Right. But like, it's just, it's just a very different energetic exchange where people are so much more, um, they feel my confidence, they feel my value and they understand that I'm bringing something to the table that they've never had before. And they realize it's something that they're ready to get on board with. And so they save up and they come see me and then they have great results. That you just what you described is my exact business because even though I'm a fitness wellness empowerment coach, I would devalue and undervalue my services all the time because I wanted to help as many people as possible. So the ones that would come to me that would all of a sudden complain about price, I would feel like I needed to give it away for free almost. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was really doing a lot of things. And then I noticed that when I was giving it away for free, people didn't value it as much. Yep. So those that were getting it for free weren't putting the commitment and the effort into it. It was all me, all me Mm -hmm. doing all the work. And probably doing more work. So much more work. And then I started to look at, at different situations where someone would say to me, I can't afford, I can't afford you, Lori. Like your prices are are ridiculous, which my, my prices, I'm kind kind of mid range, but like you said, I I get results for my clients. You're going to get what you pay for. So you Mm -hmm. can go to the undervalued person that is charging very little, but you're not going to get the results you need. You need us. Right. But they would still say, oh, I can't, that's just too much. But yet I would look at their lifestyle and the amount they were drinking or eating Mm -hmm. takeout food or having their Starbucks. And it was kind of like that aha moment of, well, then this isn't your priority. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought it. I just posted about this Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, because I also teach, right? So this comes up with my students a lot. And it, it, and again, it's a paradigm because we live in the insurance model. So everybody's like, oh, well, if you're not covered by insurance and I have to pay more than my 20 to $30 copay, then you're too expensive. And I have frequently heard, and it's more so students, I don't hear this from patients so much, but people say like, oh, well, naturopathic medicine is only for the elite or only for the wealthy. And it just irks me so much to hear that, right? Because I have never, like the people who say that, and obviously there are people who can't afford me and that's okay because there are other people who are who have lower prices than I do. There are other people who can serve them, right? But the thing is the, the people who say that to me, I have never seen them without the new iPhone that they just spent $1,000 on or $1,200 on, right? I've never seen them without the new MacBook Pro. I've never seen them without like the new Lululemons or, you know, like like they're doing fine. And like, that's not me placing any kind of judgment on them. It's just recognizing that, like you said, their priority is not on their health. Their priority is somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. And that's okay, but then that's not on me, right? <laughs> well, it doesn't mean who... you should be giving it giving it for exactly. free or under, undercharging for it, right? Exactly. 
And that's so, where we, we will both wanted to help as many people as possible. But then I changed that statement for myself and I wanted to help as many people as possible that also wanted to be helped and put it at their top. Yep. And I've had clients that don't have a lot of money who will say, you know, I shopped at the, at the Walmart or the Kmart or whatever for my clothes instead of buying the designer clothes for mm-hmm. a while so that I could have Lori. Yeah. Or I made my coffee at home instead of going and getting the costly, you mm-hmm. know, cafe drinks, because then I could afford Lori. And right. so it, it does come down to priorities. And it doesn't mean you can't have the iPhone as your priority, but sure. we shouldn't have to undercharge because of it. Right. And I think those patients end up just being so much better patients, right? It's like, that's the other thing is like doctors, it's like, it's, it's a bad thing to say that you can pick your own clients, you know, (laughs) but it's like the people who are going to invest not only financially with me, but really like if they're investing financially, they're going to be investing their energy, their time. They're going to do the thing. Like we are going to have a conversation about what they got to do and they're going to do it, which means that in that six month program that I'm doing with them, they're going to see results. Whereas like these other patients who maybe I've been working with for years and who haven't really, you know, from the beginning when I wasn't charging a lot and haven't really invested, like they're not seeing the progress because they're not invested. And so then they're unhappy and then I'm unhappy and it just makes everybody unhappy. So it, it's, it is worth it no matter what field you are in to figure out your value and charge that because you're going to have better patients. You're going to have better patient outcomes and you're going to feel you're going to be a better provider. Well, cause it waters you down. It waters you down yeah. when you have, and, and I, I actually, I joke about that because when my potential new clients are interviewing me and talking to me on the consultation call, I'm actually interviewing them and I'm actually saying, you know what? I don't think we're going to be a great fit. Like, sorry. Or if I do feel like they're going to be like blood suckers to me Mm -hmm. and drain all of my energy, I'm just like, no, I'm not the coach for you. And it's okay to say that. I think maybe it's because I've been in, in my industry for a long time where I'm able to filter that out, but I do feel like you can find your perfect fit in there Mm -hmm. so that you're both working towards the same goal and you're excited about it. Oh yeah. I do the same thing. And actually the patients that I turn away are really grateful because I'll tell them, you know, like it is, it is a dual interview for sure. I do this. I do a free 15 minute discovery call with anybody who's interested in becoming a patient. And it gives me a chance to like, not only just hear what's going on and make sure it's something in my wheelhouse, but also just make sure that we're going to work well together. Right. And if we don't, I have no problem referring people elsewhere. And every time I do that, if I say, you know, this just isn't my specialty or like, I don't think it's a great fit, but this person would be, I've never had somebody get upset at me about that. They're always like, wow, thank you for your honesty. Thanks for not just trying to get me in to get my money. Like, <laughs> like thanks. You know, I think people actually genuinely appreciate that kind of honesty. Oh, they do. Yeah. Because I, I think too, and sometimes people just aren't ready for us. Mm-hmm. I Sometimes I'll say to someone, I don't know. You're not, you're not really, really ready to give up these certain mentalities. For me, it's like the fad dieters, the, the extremists, but yet I'll hear from them maybe six months later that will then say, you know what? We sat back. I thought, I thought about what you said and I'm ready for you now, Lori, will you take me? Right? Like it's, you have to have that moment where, yeah. And now let's talk about the importance of health optimization, because we are seeing the shift in the last probably 10 years. Mm -hmm where people are really starting to look more internally to feeling good. It was always before look good, look good. No one was really tuned into their insights, Mm -hmm. their their digestion. I mean, that's a huge word that I hear a lot from my clients that I never would have heard 20 years ago. No one cared if it made them feel good Mm -hmm. as long as it gave them abs or, or whatever the end goal was, or they were just eating terrible food and not really thinking about what it was doing to them. 
how do you find the shift happened and, and where do you see it going? Because it's the same in the United States as it is in Canada. People want to feel better. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, it's great for, for me and my industry, but it's become kind of sexy and fashionable to be healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not just about how you look anymore. It really is like, it's like, you know, it's like even the style has changed. Like everybody's walking around in their yoga pants. You know, it's like, <laughs> that is, that is the fashion. Thanks <laughs> goodness. Like I know. Right. Thank God that that's here. But, you know, I think, when that happened, because it became fashionable to have a yoga class, it became fashionable to shop at, you know, a, am I allowed to say brand names on here? Yeah. Because it became fashionable to shop at Whole Foods, you know? Yeah. <laughs> as soon as Maybe that they'll stuff, sponsor me. <laughs> right. I was like, I kept thinking about that. I was like, what names can I throw out that'll like come back for Lori? But like, as soon as that happened, you know, and, it, and it, I really do feel like it came in as a fashion statement first. But then, I mean, an an obvious consequence of that is people are going to start noticing changes, right? Like if they're being more physically active, if they are actually eating in a way that is supplying nutrient density to their body, then they're going to start noticing like, Oh, I feel different. It's like the, you know, it became very fashionable to be Mm gluten-free and I was not, I'm not a bandwagon person. So like when I got into naturopathic medicine school and everybody's like, everybody should be gluten-free and dairy-free. I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I was super resistant to that for a really long time. I still don't feel like everybody should be right. But my opinions on that have changed because I myself am gluten-free and dairy-free and it's not because I'm celiac. I don't have any kind of allergy, but I kind of accidentally discovered through my own experimentation that I felt a lot different. And the thing is, it's like, you know, we talk about this a lot with food sensitivities, but like, let's say you do have some kind of sensitivity to dairy, which most people do, right? Mm -hmm. Most people do, but let's say you do, and you don't know it. And you're eating dairy every single day of your life. You're going to have this low grade kind of chronic inflammatory response happening in your body all the time. And because it's happening all the time, that feels normal to you. And so you don't know that you could feel any different or feel any better, right? Until you pull that out of your system for a number of weeks and the antibodies go away and the inflammation goes down. And then suddenly you're like, oh, like my brain's clear. My mood's more stable. I'm not as snotty all the time, you know? And you're just like, wow, I had no idea that I could actually feel, I could be this different person. And that's where the optimization comes in, right? Is if you can find these little tricks or hacks that can just tweak your body system so that, wow, maybe you don't have as much inflammation. Maybe you're not as bloated. Maybe your bowels are actually regular, right? Maybe your brain is thinking more clearly so you can sleep more deeply. You can process. Like Those are the things that are going to make you have an edge in your business above the next person because you're on fire. Well, and it does. It affects your career. It affects your relationships, how Mm -hmm. you're feeling all the time. Because like you said, if you're walking around and you don't even really know you're bloated, but you're bloated and you're not sure why. Yeah. It's amazing when you're on the other side of that and you're not bloated anymore, like yeah. how, how that affects walking into a boardroom to, to be the commander of a meeting or asking oh, for yeah. a raise or, I mean, it's the small shifts, but it's not even just gluten and dairy. I find oh, gosh, with my no. clients, we look at di- digestions on their check-in forms because it could be cute. Like for me, I can't eat cucumbers, raw mm-hmm. cucumbers. There's nothing wrong with a cucumber. My goodness, it's amazing. But when you're that tapped into your health and how you're feeling, Mm -hmm. I know if I eat raw cucumbers, I'm going to be bloated. I'm not going to feel good later. Well, and it's interesting too, because so many people connect food just with digestion, which is great. I mean, it's great that people are actually paying attention, but it makes such a difference on your mood. 
I have had so many patients that like they get angry if they eat certain foods, they get more. I mean, that's, that's me with dairy is I get super depressed for about three days and I cannot be like a top performing professional if I'm depressed and on the couch for three days. (laughs) So I don't do that anymore, you know, but I have seen so many people go through that where their, their mood changes, they're not interacting with their spouse or their partner well anymore. Yeah. You can't walk into a boardroom and be on top of your, your proposal that you're going to be shooting. If you're like feeling super lethargic and kind of depressed and kind of, you know, like that's just not going to, it's not going to work for you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, tapping into those things and yeah, you're exactly right. Gluten and dairy just always get a bad rap. They're always thrown under the bus, but like it could be almonds. It could be vanilla. It could be, you know, any number of things. Well, and I love that you said like, it wasn't that you were on this fad, you know, wagon jumping thing. You, you fought against it, but then you realize that some people, Hey, gluten and dairy doesn't affect them. That's great. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be off limits. Some people can have it in small amounts, so they kind of know what they can handle here and there, and it, and it's okay. And that's a really nice approach to have, where it's not like you have to be gluten free, you have to be vegan, um, because mm-hmm. that was another one that everybody jumped on. And I'm I'm not a labels girl, so anybody says, "Well, Lori, what are you?" and I'm like, I, I'm just I used to say flexible. <laughs> I was a flexitarian, and then I'm like, that's still a label. Yeah. I always say I try to eat as many plants as I can. I try to eat as plant-based as I can. But if you bought me a Chipotle burrito, you better believe I'm going to have it. Like mm-hmm. it's So there is nothing off limits. I really just truly, even with all of my clients, try to find the foods that work for them and make them feel the best. Yeah. and Because yeah. everybody's different. They, they are. I am also not a big fan of fad diets. And, you know, there are certain, there are certain like, types of diets that have more research on them for various goals in the body. But I mean, if it's so fascinating. I mean, you can go down a rabbit hole forever about like, does your blood type affect your diet? Does your ancestry affect your diet? I mean, there's so many different things that you can get into just like the nitty gritty about that. Like fad diets just aren't a great way to go. And so figuring out what you feel best on, and that might change depending on where you're at in your life and what you're doing. It's like, I can be very vegetarian until I start working out. And then I cannot be anymore. You know? (laughs) I love that you said that. I love that you said that because I was vegan for two years and I was always cold. I always felt like my muscles, because I had a lot of muscle. I was a competitive bodybuilder. I was a, a figure competitor. I was always freezing. I was never full. And my, it was like my muscles were eating each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. And then when I added back in a little bit of, of, of meat or fish or whatever I did, I was like, oh, I kind of, I feel better now. Yeah. And, and I do. And I have clients that I don't eat red meat. They thrive on red meat. Mm-hmm. They digest it. They're like, that's them. They're these carnivores. So it is really just tapping into what works for you. And, and fad diets, you're under this umbrella um, this is how you have to be regardless. These are the rules. Mm-hmm. This is the food police. And that's just too, too much to have to fit into that, that kind of box. Do you find that you work with people a lot on nutrition in terms of how they feel, gut health? Yes. <laughs> All the time. I feel like, I mean, I just feel like we were never taught how to eat well and our parents weren't taught how to eat well. You know, it's like I grew up and love my parents, but like I grew up eating frozen peas and box mashed potatoes. You know, I mean, it was like, it was the era of convenience, you know? And it was like, well, no wonder I never liked vegetables because frozen vegetables are awful. But, (laughs) but like, you know, they didn't know any better. They, you know, they both were brought up in families that like 
was all about convenience and affordability and and we just didn't know any better and i was fortunate enough to learn that and so what i see is a lot of times patients come in and they will say well i eat pretty healthy or i think i eat pretty well and then i'm like okay great let's actually talk about it tell me what you ate in the last 24 hours and we go through it and the the thought of what eating well is versus what actually eating well there's a very big gap there and so it becomes a huge piece of education. And I will say that nutrition is the hardest thing for people to change. It is the, it is the most difficult. It is the most quickly sabotaged by their friends and family and themselves. <laughs> and so it becomes a much bigger education piece where we'll start to make just small changes. I'm big about like, I want you to leave the office understanding why. So I'm never just going to say, well, you need to eat better and exercise more which is what a lot of doctors say. Like they're going to know exactly what kind of exercise, how much, why, like why that's going to stimulate their metabolism differently. They're going to know maybe one or two steps. Like, I just want you to eat an extra vegetable every day. Like, could we just do that? Because that's going to speed up your bowels. It's going to give you more of your vitamins and minerals. It's going to get, I mean, it's going to like do so much just in that one thing. So we'll start small. And then I will oftentimes either hire, either be working with like a nutritionist or a wellness coach or refer out if somebody needs a lot of counseling, just because it's not, it's not a good use of their money to be paying me to do nutrition counseling every week with them. So I'll usually try to bring somebody on who's a little bit more affordable for them to do kind of that specific maintenance under my plan. Do you find that you see a lot of hormonal imbalances and disturbances, perimenopause, menopause, andropause, like all the different, do you, do you see a lot of people that are struggling? Oh yeah, so much. And it tends to be, there's been this shift over the last decade or so of people experiencing hormonal changes at times that we wouldn't typically expect. So it's like people, so you mentioned a lot of the hormonal changes related to sex hormones, right? Your, est your estrogen, testosterone, uh, progesterone. And we are seeing a lot more women on one end of the spectrum going into, well, men and women going into andropause and menopause earlier than we would have typically expected. But we're also seeing young people going into puberty much earlier, right? And so it's interesting because that, I mean, that can be tied into so many different things and like conspiracy theories and all this stuff. But, you know, we know that there is a higher amount of sex hormones in our groundwater. We know that it's getting into the meat that we're eating. We know that it's coming out of the plastics that we're using. And so people have this higher level of exogenous hormones in their body. Um, and so it's, it's messing with people's endocrine system because not only do they have what they're producing, but they also have this whole extra pool that's coming outside of them that has, they can have unpredictable results in the body. So there's that piece. But the other big thing that people, everybody says hormones and automatically sing sex hormones, but your endocrine system dances, right? So if, if your sex hormones are out of whack, then it's going to throw off all the other ones. So that means your adrenal hormones are going to be out of whack. Your insulin, your thyroid, your neurotransmitters, all of that stuff is going to get out of whack. And so when I'm looking at a patient and they may come in with a very specific, like my hormones and I'm like, okay, well, let's look at all your hormones. Let's look at your gut health because that's probably affecting your hormones. Let's, look, <laughs> let's talk about all of that stuff. It's true. And I always have, I, in my, in my book that I wrote, I have a chapter on check your hat and that's your hormones, adrenals, and thyroid. Because mm -hmm. I think women my age are always just hormones, hormones. It must be my estrogen. It must be. And it's like, no, 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 it could be thyroid. could be adrenals. Mm -hmm. Like you, you mentioned insulin, cortisol, it could be all of that stuff, but we get hormones in our head and that's it. Mm -hmm. But they're all intertwined there. If mm -hmm. one's off, it's going to bring the rest with them. Yep. When you mention younger people, I'm noticing as well with some of my younger male clients, 
this dip in testosterone at really early ages. Yeah. Like in their twenties, they're needing to be on test replacement therapy. Whereas it used to be my 60 year old male clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that also, you know, I kind of mentioned puberty is like, what we're seeing is that girls are going into puberty and maturing much earlier and boys are kind of not like they're delaying a little bit. And a lot of that, I think, um, and there is certainly evidence to support this, but there's still a lot of questions in the community, right? Is that we, there are so many ex they're called xenoestrogens, but exogenous estrogens in our system, in our, in our environmental system that are, is influencing our body, right? So xenoestrogens are chemicals that look like estrogen. And those come from plastics, perfumes, a lot of cleaning products. Um, I mean, things that we're just inundated with every day. Right. And the way that they work in the body is because they look like an estrogen, they will bind to your estrogen receptor, but they bind and can have like a 10 times stronger effect. And estrogen is at its core, a growth hormone. It tells your body to grow. That's why it stimulates puberty. That's why it stimulates the menstrual cycle, right? And if you have a 10 times factor saying grow, right? That's where we start seeing puberty earlier in girls. That's why we're starting to see high estrogen dominance issues like fibroids and estrogen dominant tumors growing at at younger ages. That's also why we're seeing higher estrogen in boys and in men causing less testosterone and more of that like hypogonadism, infertility issues. So, I mean, it's, it's pervasive, right? It's in the food we eat, it's in the water we drink. And most of our like filters that we get for our water, none of them talk about filtering out the birth control that your neighbor peed out next door and is in the groundwater. (laughs) Like that's not anywhere. It's true though that they they don't like, it's, oh my goodness, I'm never going to, it's going to be bottled water for me. (laughs) (laughs) But it is, you know, it's funny, all of those statements that you just said, just in the last few minutes, when I think about the conventional medical system, this isn't known. Mm-mm. And it's not their fault. They have a lot of other things they need to learn in medical school that this isn't important. They have other stuff they're worried about in, you know, general medicine. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, that's where things like this get overlooked and oh, you're fine. You're just a growing girl. You just grew X. You had a growth spurt mm-hmm. earlier. It's not something that they know about. So it's not something right. that you can get answers for. Right. And because it's really happening, I mean, we are the test pool, right? Like because it's happening now, we haven't seen the long-term consequences of that, you know, and you, you brought up estrogen and testosterone. It's like estrogen is a growth hormone. And there are many cancers that are related to having high levels of estrogen over your lifetime. Right. And so it's like, we don't really know what's going to happen few decades down the road with this population that's just been like seeped in estrogen, you know, and I have the same concern about people using testosterone replacement therapy, especially in these young men is like a lot of the T clinics that are out there are just shooting people up so high on testosterone that they're just like, they walk out of those clinics, like these raging bulls for three weeks. (laughs) And the problem with that is like testosterone is also a growth hormone, you know? And so we, we need to be careful. Like hormones are, not something that you should just flippantly mess around with. I think there are definitely people who are candidates for hormone replacement therapy, but I do not think that, I mean, it's, it's a fashionable thing in health right now, right? And anytime something becomes fashionable, I think it's exploited. And I think there are concerns. It concerns me as what we're going to see down the road from that. 
yeah, like what's going to happen in 10 years or 20 yeah. years from all of this. These are the, the guinea pigs that are, that are yeah. dealing with all of this right now. Where do you see naturopathic medicine go? Like where, where is your hope for it? Cause it's definitely, I mean, more, it's more mainstream now than, mm-hmm. than when I was younger and no one knew about it. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you what my hope is for it. I feel like naturopathic medicine is always a precarious field and it kind of like it's always changing. You know, they, there's this joke that the elders in our community used to say that you were never a true naturopathic doctor unless you'd been arrested once. And because we used to be arrested for being like snake oil salesmen and and quacks, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate. And there's still a lot that feeds into that today of people who haven't legitimately gone to a naturopathic medical school and have that kind of education, but still put themselves out there as a naturopath. And so that's problematic. But I think because there's so much more public awareness, I think because people are really wanting to take their health back into their hands and have more control and have more autonomy. I do feel like we are in this forward momentum right now, which is really exciting. And you know, the, the part of my vision, can I share like what I want to do a little bit? So this is like my bigger plan, right? So I, I love my patients. I love working with my patients, but what I have realized is that doing one on, you know, one-on-one patient care, there's a ceiling on how many people you can impact. And especially in naturopathic medicine, our appointments are so much longer. You know, I sit with my patients for 30 minutes to 90 minutes. So it's like, I can only see so many people in a week. And I wasn't really great with that because I wanted to help more people. And Unfortunately, in most medical schools, they don't teach you anything about business. And so a lot of doctors are terrible business people. And because the insurance system doesn't support naturopathic doctors, most naturopathic doctors are forced to become business people. They have to become entrepreneurs. They have to open their own clinics. And a lot of them suffer because of that. So my goal is I actually... And I'm in the process of doing this right now, which is so exciting. So I am bringing in other docs... Uh, to teach them the business of naturopathic medicine and teach them how to have a better mindset on their financial, (laughs) their value, and basically start mentoring docs to take over the business location that I've set up. And then I leave and open another business. And so I am starting to set up all these satellite clinics to bring in doctors and mentor them in business health so that they can help more patients and they can be healthier providers and basically create this empire of naturopathic medicine that's going to serve way more people. Well, it's a community then. It's a community yeah. and and I see it in the fitness industry as well. We're great with people, we're great with delivering results, but we are not great business people. Yep. And it and so you'd need that. You need a mentor, you need a coach, you need a person that like what you said, you're almost developing it for them, giving them the tools. Because they're good at what they're good at. They're not good at at all the other stuff. And then they're able to take that and flourish and not be so challenged, which is so amazing. It really is bringing everyone together and working together. So at the end of the day, you said it grows into this massive empire of everybody's successful, helping more patients. Like, because like you said, there's only so many people you can reach yourself. Right. Right. And then I'll just travel and teach and keynote and just talk to people like you. (laughs) (laughs) That's my, that's my vision too. Yeah. For myself, but it is, it is, it's such a good one because you are good at what you do and then being able to share all of what you've learned because Mm -hmm. you've learned in the process too. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. you didn't just get here today where you oh, are. No, I had coaches. I have coaches. And you also did the, the, you know, I always say I've had lots of failures. I can tell you everything I did wrong and what not to do, but that mm-hmm. helps somebody new coming along to do all the right things and not mm-hmm. have all the hiccups that maybe we had along the way. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Yeah. That's awesome. I'm going to do a, a rock and rapid fire with you. I do on okay. all my podcasts. I, I have to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you. So I'm, you always talk about how you're such a Scorpio and <laughs> I am such a Gemini. So this is like the worst nightmare for a Gemini because like, <laughs> how do you choose just one thing? So I spent like a couple hours listening to the end of all of your podcasts to get sample questions because <laughs> I knew otherwise I'd be sitting here like, how do I choose just one? Well, and see, Scorpios like to like that fire of being like rapidly fired at, whereas yeah. Gemini's are like, I need a little more planning. I need to oh, yeah. prepare for this. I need to think it through. I need all the options. So this will be great. This is this is a good challenge for me to step into. What's your supplement must have? Ooh, adrenal support for for stress for stress. Are you talking for, about for me or for people? For you, but also for people. Well, that's the one that you really like. Yeah. And and there's so many different things that fall into that. Right. Mm -hmm. But like people are just chronically stressed out and need to support their little adrenals because they drink too much coffee and they drink too much alcohol and they work too hard and they don't sleep enough. (laughs) What's the main ingredient? What's the main ingredient in the adrenal support? I mean, my favorite is rhodiola. Uh, Rhodiola is a magical, magical plant. And I say that kind of cautiously because anytime you throw out an herb, it suddenly becomes very popularized. And rhodiola is somewhat endangered because it's so awesome that people are over harvesting it. And there are many other good ones that are local, but that's kind of my magic, my magic one. Well, and it's such an easy way to lower your stress and to just feel that a little bit more sense of calm. Yeah. And bring you down because coffee brings you up. I mean, society brings you up. I'm always walking around, you know, with my shoulders up. It just kind of brings you down a little and helps your... Yeah. And I think also I'm going to throw in another one. I'm going to cheat. So adrenals, I think also overlap with nervines and nervines are like a class of herbal remedies that are like, they're like adaptogens before your nervous system. And so they can just help kind of calm things down. They're not addictive. So they're great to use in place of benzodiazepines or barbiturates, and they can actually help you get off of those types of medications. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of those. I think most people could benefit from just having some daily nervines and adaptogens for their adrenals. I'm going to look into that because I definitely, uh, that's something that I need. Yeah, absolutely. What's one food you can't live without? Chocolate. Chocolate. Dark or what? Uh, dark. Oh, dark. Do <laughs> you like like chocolate, al- dark chocolate almonds or is it just straight dark chocolate? Straight up dark chocolate, like yes. 75 to 80%. Yeah. I used to be a 90% girl and then I slowly started to have, well, you don't eat dairy, but I would slowly get into less and less. And yeah, I need yeah. to get back to that because 90% is definitely that rich. It's got yeah. the antioxidants. It's actually good for you in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. It is. I can totally say that chocolate is a health food. <laughs> That's yes. coming from me. So please. <laughs> Especially when you're eating the dark, the really yeah. real, not a lot of crap added to it. Yeah. It's, well, the great thing about the dark too, because it's got such a higher cocoa content is it hits your craving receptors more densely. And so you don't eat as much. Usually you can just get away with a square and you're good. Whereas if you eat like the lower content or really the ones that have a lot of sugar or dairy in them, that's why people will blow through a whole bar because you're just like, it's not hitting the receptors quite as quickly. Have you ever had uh, Nicaraguan chocolate? I actually yes. traveled to Nicaragua and I was in the airport and I kind of smelt this aroma and I'm like, oh, chocolate's their thing. I didn't know this. Yeah. And when I tried it, I was like, oh my God, you're right. I had a bite and I was in heaven for, you know, hours. Yeah. And I didn't realize that it could taste and so much different. Oh yeah. But again, it's that cocoa content in it. It is. Yeah. And it's how it's hitting your 
your uh, craving receptors and your addiction also, pathways. <laughs> take note, listeners. It's true though. Milk chocolate, you can blow through a bunch. Of, I mean, it's all sugar. It's all sugar. Yeah. It's all chemicals. If you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would it be post-COVID? <laughs> you know, it would be... I think I would, I want to, I don't, this sounds so cliche, but I like the last year I've really wanted to go to Paris and like, that has never been a thing for me, but like a year ago, I got this notification that I could get a flight there and back like a round trip flight for 300 bucks. And I didn't do it. And then COVID <laughs> happened and I was like, what? <laughs> so, so I just weighing obsessed with that idea. <laughs> I have to say, I just posted on one of my social media posts, a, a picture of a girl in like a tutu next to the Eiffel Tower. And I said, this needs to be me. I need to do yeah. this. Yeah. And I've been to Paris, but I don't feel like I, I enjoyed it enough. And I think yeah. COVID taught me that I should have relished in those vacations more when I was in them. Yeah. Because Paris is beautiful and there's yeah. so many beautiful things that again, for 300 bucks, I can't believe you didn't. Why didn't I do that? I was like, I was trying to be so responsible. I was like, I have other bills and like, I can't shut my practice down. And now I'm like, what was I thinking? Well, I think post COVID, a lot of us will also appreciate like smaller areas to go because mm-hmm. even in Canada, like we could venture out just not too far from the neighborhood mm-hmm. and it would be an adventure and it would be amazing. Right. And it wouldn't be me having to go all the way down to Thailand or all these different time zone changes because we haven't been able to do anything for oh, yeah. a year. So- yeah. We, we just actually did that for Valentine's day. We, uh, I had wanted, we were going to go to Costa Rica and we canceled that because my dad is, uh, he has pancreatic cancer. And so we're trying to stay close to home for that. But, um, we ended up going down to the Broadmoor, which is just an hour south of us. But I mean, it was like being in a whole new world. It was like this super nice hotel that they just waited on you. And the food was, it was like being in the, it was like being inside of a snow globe. It was beautiful. And it was like, ah, now we're down the road. It was perfect. But it is, I feel like I could just go rent a, a hotel and I, I live on the outskirts of Vancouver and just go into the city and it feel like it's a resort adventure because mm-hmm. we haven't, I mean, even eating in restaurants, we haven't been doing a lot of that. So it it feels, it helped us to simplify our life and not feel like we have to have the amazing magical adventures totally. all over the world. Totally. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, hopefully you'll go to Paris. I can't wait to hear <laughs> how it is. I'll tag you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Take the picture by the, by the Eiffel Tower. And your celebrity crush. Uh, I mean, Dwayne Johnson is very great to look at, but I would say like probably even more than I love Lady Gaga. I love her. I love her music. I've loved her since she first came out and she's such a like political force and people don't realize that. And even though she started as a, like a pop star, if you really get into listening to her sing, I mean, she's got this amazingly classic voice that can do classic jazz that can, I mean, she's just got She's amazing. She's amazing. I mean, she's almost won every single award that you can win in the celebrity industry. Have you watched the, there's a Netflix special that she did and it's on, mm-hmm. on her. Have you watched it? I have. Yeah. I love her. I, I have a chapter in my book where I, I feature celebrities that have been very body, body positive, And mm-hmm. she's one of them because oh, of yeah. she went through with her Super Bowl outfit. And mm-hmm. I love that she's just different and she's herself. And this is what you get. And, and if you don't like it, you know, you, you mm-hmm. take it or leave it. And I love that about her. Yeah. That's what I loved in that movie too, is like all of, you know, I never realized this either. It's like all of her costumes were a political statement, you know? And like, like everybody gives her shit about the meat dress, but like the whole thing about that was trying to like throw back 
in the face of everybody, like how they look at women like a piece of meat and mm-hmm. how like how ridiculous that is, that is that we treat our bodies like a piece of meat. And so she dressed up as a piece of meat to like throw that back in people's faces. And I was, I just think that's so brilliant and brave, you know, well, you're making a statement rather than just wearing the designer outfit. Yeah. What was she, what was she trying to prove when she was inside that pod thing? Do you oh, I don't she, know that one. It was, I like know a, the it was like a cocoon and the caterpillar in this pod and they just yeah. like brought her out on the carpet in this pod. And I don't I know what that one was. That. It's funny that you said Dwayne Johnson, the rock. I think I've done, I think I've done 25 podcasts. And when I ask that question, when I do, you know, to the females that have been on, it's nine times out of 10. <laughs> I mean, look at him. Right. Well, and I, I think I, ba- I think I bashed him and cause I've, I, the rock used to be mine. And then I kind of put him down where I'm like, no, it's not him. It's like a Jimmy Fallon. Now it's the funny guys. Yeah. And I'm like, I should probably be kinder to him because every single guest has said his name. Maybe he'll come on eventually. <laughs> well, and he's also hilarious. Like in Jumanji. I mean, he's hilarious. So I don't know. I've heard he's very humble to me, but. Well, and there was that one story about him where he was, he wasn't very nice to a fan that had come up to him mm-hmm. and he walked away, got further away, thought about it. And he went back and bought the guy a house or something. Mm-hmm. And he said, I needed, that was very humbling for him to remember. doesn't matter how busy you are, where you got is because of the fans and right. because people actually want to watch you. And rather than just whatever, I'm a celebrity and move on your way. He went back and apologized and then bought the guy a house. And, right. and you know, that's why I like, like a pretty decent person. <laughs> He's got a nice body. <laughs> doesn't hurt. <laughs> What's your biggest vice or addiction? Chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> you have it every I, day? Yes, I do. And like I I buy a very particular brand that I know is like very environmentally conscious and really great to their growers because the the interesting thing about chocolate is the growers often don't ever actually get the end product. Like they don't really ever get to taste where their beans go. And so this company is really big about like going back and like showing them where the product has turned into and really supporting their families and their education and their insurance and all of that stuff. But it really is a, you know, the bioflavonoids in there are really great for your body. They're anti-inflammatory. It actually does have a dopamine effect. So it does improve your mood. Like there's research on this. Like I am the person that if I go to a business conference, like I will put out three bars of really good chocolate on the table for everybody. I always have a bar in the drawer in my desk. I always have one like, and I don't, I'm not going, I go through like a piece a day, but it's just, it is, it is my thing for sure. And could you, what's the brand that you like? You uh, it's it? called Theo, yeah. T-H-E-O. And they're, they're a company out of Seattle, which is where I went to grad school. Mm-hmm. So that's how I know of them. But they're, they're just amazing. They're a great company and they're not a huge company. And um, they source chocolate from a number of different places. So they get Nicaraguan chocolate and they get, oh, I can't remember where else they source, but they have, they have very specific things that they do with it and mix different things with it to bring out different types of flavors of chocolate. I'll have to look for that because it's just right across the border, Seattle yeah. from us. I always love, there's, there's a lot of really amazing, innovative companies out of there. And I love supporting close by, close to home. Yeah. That's awesome. If you're president of the United States, who's your vice president? I love this question. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my vice president would be my coach, Ed Rush. He 
he has a great online presence if you know people want to check him out. But he is the smart person behind everything that I do. And let's be honest, it's the vice president who really runs the country most of the time. So I would trust him to do that more than myself <laughs> and that he would tell me what to do. And he's just the most heart-centered, good person working for the good of people and also just so business-minded that like... I mean, he's going to run for president anyway, but, <laughs> but yeah. so he'd be my vice president. I like that, that way of thinking though, that, you know, you're the spotlight and you know, mm-hmm. you're the face and you're, you're the flashy smile and you're the one that's mm-hmm. doing all the front, but that, you know, you have to have that support system behind you, kind of like what you do having yeah, him as yeah. a coach. And yeah, I have yeah. a lot of coaches in all of my marketing business, all of that stuff for the reason that you're the one in the front, but you still want to make sure you can lean on that one in the back that right. probably run the world themselves, but right. they're happy to take the back seat and, and be your support person and make sure mm-hmm. you're making all the right calls. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. Where can people find you now? You do, you're out of Colorado. Do you do mostly, well, you said your office never closed down with COVID. You see most of your patients in person. Are they mostly locals? I do both actually. So we, I do a lot of virtual now too. And I would say most of them are local to Colorado, but I have out of state patients who will fly in to see me. There's with medical licenses, there's kind of this weird gray area of how you can treat people outside of your state. So I do have out of state licenses in a number of states, and then I'll have patients who will fly in to see me as well. And so then I can treat them in the state when they're visiting. Do Are you allowed to do have any clients from Canada? I don't have any currently. I would have to check into the, the legalities with the border. I mean, I definitely have classmates who practice there. So I'm sure that there yeah. are license crosses. For referral. Well, or, and I'm thinking too, if any, any natu- if there's any students that are going through for naturopathic medicine, I'm thinking of your business model plan of what's oh, coming yeah. in the future. You should get in touch with me. Where can people find you? Um, I'm definitely on social media. So Facebook, Instagram, you can find me at Dr. Kelsey Asplin. You can also get through there to my website, but you can just look up Dr. Kelsey Asplin or Dr. Kelsey ND. See more about what I do in my practice. And I'm launching a podcast and I'm writing a book. So there's more to come. I love that. I love that. When's your podcast launching? Um, I'm hoping to launch it within the next month. Mm -hmm. And then your book? Book is probably going to be by the end of the year. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I already have part of it written, but you know, it's a labor of love. (laughs) Always. (laughs) And for a perfectionist. Yeah. Always. And will it be mainly on like naturopathic medicine? Is it geared towards the reader? Yeah. This first book that I'm, I'm working on is really about how honing into all of these different foundational aspects of your health are like, that's the key to being a high performance professional and like how that is the magic pill that you're looking for. That's what, that's what that one's going to be talking about. And obviously, I mean, you can probably tell from, from this is like, I'm not a very like sterile spoken doctor. (laughs) So that book is going to have a little bit more attitude and sass in it, which I think is, is kind of refreshing and well needed in the healthcare industry. So it'll be fun. Well, otherwise it's a snooze. It's a snooze if you're just, you know, medical terminology, scientific, scientific, you got to throw in the sass, the sass, the badass, the flair. It's what, it's what makes you more normal. Like all of us, you're a person Mm -hmm. still. So you're explaining it in, in better terms that we can all relate to. And last remarks, what would be like your drop the mic statement about your type of work, your medicine, 
what would be something like if, if the listeners are driving to work right now, it's like, what's the drop the mic moment about, about taking, about health, about wellness, about natural medicine. That you should do it and that you need somebody to help you. Right. I think the, the biggest thing is we live in a time where information is at our fingertips constantly. And that's both a blessing and a curse. And with as much information as there is, and as many bloggers, and as I mean, everybody's got an opinion, and you can find so much information that's great and has nothing to do with you. And so you need somebody who just like you would have a coach for personal training or you'd have a business coach, you need a healthcare coach who's really going to get you and is going to get your story and be able to apply all of their expertise in not just conventional medicine, but alternative medicine and apply that to you. So stop guessing, stop trying to like be your own doctor uh, and find a partner who can actually work with you. I love that, a partner. I love that. Thanks for coming on. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I met you. I know we're going to meet again. I know you're going to be on here again because we can dive in. I mean, so much deeper. This uh, this was so many things. Yeah. I wanted to touch on the surface. We can dive into all of the topics that we talked about today in just one episode each Mm -hmm. themselves, but I'm really blessed that I met you. And again, bless the internet for allowing me to just meet badass babes like you, cool chicks. Oh yeah. And you too. I mean, this was so fun. It's been so great to get to like interact with you and watch all of your badassery and just like how much you just own. You're like, you're like, look at my ass on social media. Look how hot I am. And I'm not apologizing about it. And I just love that so much. So thank you for agreeing to have me on. Um, it's, it's a true honor to get to be here with you. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks so much. It was great. It's great having you. I can't wait to have you again. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening, friends. If you want more tips and tricks on rocking your life and rocking your body, be sure to check out my website, lauriemork.com or follow me on Instagram at lauri.mork. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast where each and every week we're going to release new episodes with down and dirty topics, some wicked guests, more badassery, and just have a kick-ass time together. And if anyone has a problem with it, they can kiss my curvy ass.